Yeah. Thanks for bearing with us. We tried to start this up a moment ago and had a technical issue. So now we're up and going and it's great to be joined by you guys today. I'm glad we can have a chance to have this conversation. Um, and so the, the, the tentative title of this conversation is Porn Versus Art. And I think that raises a lot of questions right there. So there's a lot of room for exploration within that framework. But perhaps first, I think people who are watching will know Jody and Jenny. But if you want to do an intro for yourselves, please do. But they this will be the first time that they're meeting Amelia. So perhaps we'll put Amelia on the spot first. And you want to say a little bit about your background so people can get acquainted with you? Sure. I'm a musician and I've been releasing uh, albums pretty frantically since the early 2000s. Most recently, uh, this month, I have an album that I just released called I'm Really Sorry You're Going Through This. And uh, an old friend of Jody. I feel like that's my real claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Where can people find your music, Amelia? Nehedar.com. That's N-E-H-E-D-A-R dot com is that your the name under which you produce your music or is it yeah. under okay that great mm -hmm. awesome well if you want to send me any links i can put them under this after we wrap up the live thanks awesome well jody and jenny you want to say anything in intro or talk about anything you've got going on right now that people might want to check out um, well, for me, it's just my Substack as usual, which is saving culture from itself. It's just my name, Jenny E. Holland. Substack, and I write quite a bit at Spiked, uh, which is a UK kind of dissident left uh, online magazine. And Jody, hello, I'm Jody Shaw. Uh, I'm suing Smith College. You, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, um, so it's not something to be happy about. But uh, and I have just. What else can I say about myself? I also have a Substack, um, and I just started doing speaking engagements. Which Ooh, I like and you, you're also a musician. Yeah, I'm a musician. I should say that first. I'm a musician. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the next, uh, yeah. So I'm working on music, and the next speaking gig I have coming up, I think, is going to be in Boston, but I'm not sure where. Either BU or Think Boston University. It's co-hosted by Dartmouth, and then another one in the spring at Villanova. So I'm very excited. Hopefully, I can catch people at one of those gigs. Excellent. Well, with the artistic and creative tendency here in this space, it's a good place to talk about art versus pornography, and I think that that's. Something I've been increasingly concerned about pornography, the impacts that it's having culturally, the impacts it's having on personal relationships, on um, young boys, on men, and on women for lots of different reasons. And I don't want to give a lot of caveats about heteronormativity. You can supply your own caveats. There's issues that are across the board, regardless of orientation, gender, et cetera. But, there, but the force that pornography occupies right now in our culture is certainly a big one and it's very controversial and as we talk about what's concerning about porn and and here i'm starting from 
this is my standpoint. So you might take a completely different perspective on this and be more or less concerned about porn than I am. I know we're all mothers of boys and young boys at that. So perhaps there's something in in your own experience as you think of your son coming of age, what do you think about porn? Are you concerned about this? How do you talk to him about this? And and then how do you distinguish what is pornography and what is erotica, what is beautiful? And so I don't have a real specific question to launch on, but what are some of your musings on that? And and maybe starting from the standpoint of as a mother of a son, what do you think about porn in the culture? Well, I'm I'm concerned about porn. I think oh, I'm not concerned about porn in and of itself. I'm concerned about it being used in a way to desensitize men from or boys from being able to experience a connection with a live human being that that's what i'm concerned about so it's the use it's the kind of the way it is used not necessarily porn in and of itself that being said as a larger cultural phenomenon <laughs> i can't help but think there is a co i, I want to say coordinated i mean there's an attack in general on our ability to connect with each other. I, I firmly believe that. And I firmly believe that our power as human beings comes from our relationships. Like if you're alone in the forest, if you're alone in the forest and everything else has been taken away from you, if you have people around you, you have still have some power. Like even if you have nothing else. So our ability to connect with each other really is everything. That is our power source. And it is the power source I think of any population or culture. And if that is destroyed, then I think we have nothing. We are very easily manipulatable and influenced and um, any number of things can happen to us. So I know I went very far with that, but <laughs> I see that the heavy use of porn and, and this um, like tr big trend of, of young men who cannot have sex. Like they, they literally cannot get it up with another human being. And, I, that, and it's because of an addiction to porn. So that's what I think it, it's a problem. And I don't know what the solution is other than education and, and talking to your boys. And it scares me because they all have phones. So it, that being said, there's another side to put, there's all, you know, porn in of itself. I don't know. It's kind of like heroin or pop, the, the opium, like in and of itself, you know, it's not <laughs> the plant itself. It's the, um use of it the, the way you use it that could be a concern yeah i i mean i share the same concerns and um in the fairly limited conversations i've had with my son about it i've taken kind of an old-fashioned um very blunt tack which is just don't just don't use it which is probably not or just don't look at it just don't engage with it which is probably not um, particularly realistic, but I think it's um, I think it's better to start from that stark position. Um, I think if we were living still living in the era of Playboy magazines and nudie mags and you know magazines that were covered in paper bag, you know, brown paper to cover the <laughs> cover the boobs and whatever, I don't think I even would have had felt it necessary to have that super cringy conversation. Um, but I personally feel that porn is like almost like a psychological weapon at this point. 
and it has no, has no bearing on, um, I mean, I suppose you can make an argument that it, the sole purpose of it is to get off, but the actual, if you see it, take it in totality, it's not about getting off. It's about, I think, kind of what you're saying, Jody, which is sort of breaking down uh, human connection. And I think the, may, maybe it's the video. I, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it, but I'm, I'm, I suspect it's something to do with the video aspect of it as opposed to a still image is quite addictive. And I've, I've read in places, just in magazines, nothing deep, like it does, it kind of re reassembles your brain and the connections and actually does act like an actual drug. So I don't, I don't check my son's browser. I don't, I don't do any of that. I, but I, I did, I have said to him and, and my husband, his stepfather has said, just avoid entirely. And who knows what the actual outcome of that is. Um, but I, I personally feel like it's a pretty dark um, industry overall, even though I'm sure many people use it in very kind of missionary, ordinary ways. <laughs> and that's fine. Um, I don't personally see like this for my son yet. He's so young. I mean, maybe I'm naive. He's nine. He just turned nine. Um, so I'm thinking about my myself and like growing up with um, my ridiculous parents who had no boundaries and that I was exposed very young to pretty extreme stuff. And <clears throat> I think that the thing that people are concerned about is the sort of escalation. So you can't, you know, yeah. you might start out with like, ooh, they're kissing, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. But like before long, you need all sorts of crazy stuff to make it interesting and it just escalates. And here I am, I'm 42 and I started off with, you know, I, I inherited, I basically inherited my dad's kink, which is like a hard thing to, to deal with. <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, it doesn't define me. Um, uh, I, I'm very sensitive about the desensit desensitization aspect of it uh, because it's dehumanizing and it's not erotic. It's um, compulsive. And so you know, understanding that it's, you know, if I think about how I'm going to talk to my son, I talk to him about advertising a lot, you know, like what is, you know, do you notice that this advertisement is trying to take advantage of you is manipulating your feelings. And I hope that um, when conversations about por pornography, you know, come up or when it's time to have that, that I can intellectualize it with him and, 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 and just, and talk to him about how this is not, I mean, it's not real. And it's, um, it can be, it can, it can explain these things. Like it can make it hard for you to connect with a real girl. Like a real girl pro probably won't want to be treated in any way, like what you're seeing. But there's one other thing that I feel like I want to say, which is a little bit left field, um, which is that nobody ever talks about like vibrators. I think vibrators do the same thing for women that we talk about it. <laughs> you and I talk about it. <laughs> vibrators. Yeah. Sorry. Didn't... Mm -hmm. So yeah, I haven't gotten to talking about it with my son yet. And I'm, I'm so like, you know, it's like all packed up with that, like he's growing up sadness, but um, 
I, I'm just not the kind of person that's going to say, I think I'm not the kind of person that's going to say, don't, don't, because that just seems like, um, well, I don't know. I haven't thought about it at all, but, um, but I, I would just want him to be able to wrap his head around it from the onset and not like me just be thrown into sensory overload uh, with no help. You know, That's- on your point about vibrators, I think that the, there's this, um there's a porn, I guess she's a porn expert, a psychologist who talks about this a lot named Dr. Trish Lee. And she has a great podcast called Porn Brain Rewire. And she does a lot of psychoeducation around the process of, of pornography use and how it actually impacts the brain. And one of the things she points out is that when you are climaxing, when you're experiencing orgasm, you're the, the bonding hormones that are secreted are so powerful and so intense that you bond to the thing that you're using. And if you're using voyeurism as your vehicle for sexual satisfaction, then you bond to the act of voyeurism. You bond to the, the, the degree that you are participating in this, this act. So I could see how that could make sense with a sex toy as well. You're, you're no longer able to be stimulated the same way by vanilla, you know, just another, a partner, a, another person. And so if it's paraphilias or if it's other kinds of uh, stimulus, then I could see how it would make sense that you'd kind of hijack and rewire your own stimulation process. Yeah. Yeah, I can can see how, well, even fantasy then, what about even just fantasy? You're alone in your room, you're going to rub one out and... (laughs) You start, you got nothing. You, there's no screen. There's no vibrator. It's just you in your hand. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that fantasy can also interfere. Like, if, yeah, fantasy is about like a person, a certain person or a certain mm-hmm. scenario. And you just keep, you think that can interfere. I mean, look, anything can rewire mm-hmm. your brain. Mm-hmm. You can rewire your brain to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's how the brain works it's trying to be efficient so it's like okay we're doing this now i'm gonna like download this into my subconscious and get super attached to it so i can just run it without any effort and it's just gonna keep running that's a habit right and then it's an addiction so i think i think the direction we're going in is that the catholic church was right masturbation and looking at pictures of of (laughs) naked women is evil and but you should do it (laughs) yeah i don't i don't i I, my point about the vibrators is literally that you're becoming physically desensitized to um to sit to to touch a man can't reproduce that like Mm -hmm. vibrators are not human Mm -hmm. yeah and so if you just if that's like you're you know if if you're like you know, a good girl and you don't whatever, you know, have sex with a man until it's totally safe and appropriate. Uh, and you're using a vibrator by the time you get with a man, he, he might not be able to do it because you've been numbing yeah. yourself. I mean, I keep saying you, I'm, I'm just not, you know, not that makes sense. I mean, I think that's a really good point. And I think that some of these things are like extra, extraordinary s- stimuli. So yeah. You know, when you're talking about fantasy, yes, I think there's a spectrum, right? Anything can create some kind of an interference. But when you get to the point of, say, internet pornography, and and I don't remember who was making the point about video 
and how that in that has this really powerful effect. But when you talk about this, it's like, it's like an apple versus a starburst, you know, this is, it's flooding your senses with something that is like it. And for, for men whose sexuality, when it comes online is really powerful and, and, and women's is too, but men get really hijacked by their own sexuality as, as young adolescents. And to imagine that you could put this in front of them and just say, don't use it. I, yeah. and I, and I'm not, I'm not picking on you, Jenny, cause I haven't had that conversation with my sons yet. I don't know how to address this, but I, I don't, I think that it's something that I hear over and over from men. They wish they could stop using it or they yeah. wish they had never found it. Yeah. Well, they've, they've all found it. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I tend to be kind of naive as well. And I don't want to get talking about my son, but like, I don't think he does look at it, whatever, but there's absolutely no way. In fact, I know that he has been shown things and um, I, there's just no way that there, these, these, this isn't something that he has come across, even if he hasn't sought it out. And I agree that a sort of blanket, don't do not do it, just say no, is deeply imperfect. I, I completely agree with that. Um, but I don't know what the alternative is i don't think you can negotiate with it because just like you said and other other people have said and actually i mean i i have seen like these sites and like you know you you're you, the, like right on the home page like there's some real weird dark stuff so you know i can see how even just have curiosity a 13 year old or a 10 year old or 11 year old be like wait what is that like a granny and then they click on it and you know you, you end up in some really dark places i it's it's very obvious just from looking at even the home page right and i think amelia you said something so important which is, is the sense of like you didn't grow up with boundaries and to me everything to do with sexuality in every every facet of it every manifestation of it is solely down to boundaries i think Focusing on what the boundaries are is the only way to navigate through these really weird stormy waters that we're in because um, that like, and, and so I'm trying in, in, in kind of, I admit it in kind of like a hatchet job way to enforce or to, to sort of pass on these boundaries to my son and say, just don't, just don't, don't mm-hmm. start, don't get involved. Don't, don't look at, just don't. I also did say, I think I, t- I said, it was a while ago now, but I think I did say to him something along the lines of, and I think I got this from maybe like whose body is it or who's Isabella Malvin, who has a YouTube channel and she's got a great Instagram page and she's a coach and she does a lot of work on the trans thing. Um, and she's had some incredible interviews about porn, including women, trans widows, whose husbands literally became trans after watching this and all this stuff. And she talks about the abuse. She's had guests on talking about the abuse. These women who are participating in this. Yes, it's voluntary. Um, but essentially they're being abused. And that's one thing I did say to my son. I thought that was probably the most effective kind of antidote because I, I think that would have been like, oh, in, in his mind, like, oh, gross. I don't want to see someone get hurt. And it was like, even if they even if they are acting as if that they're not hurt, they are actually being hurt. And I don't know. I don't even know if he if that registered with him. I have no idea. It was a while ago. Um, but the the boundaries thing to me is key. And I think what happened in the liberal world post-1968, post-pill, post-sexual revolution, is that some very unwise, but I think probably well-meaning people, and also there's a lot of non-well-meaning people in the background, but a lot of people thought, hey, whoa, boundaries are bad, and like norms are oppressive, and, um, and I think that was working okay until maybe 10 years ago, 
I guess you could argue when it all kind of went tits up, but it's not working okay anymore. And we need to bring back these values and we need to close our minds a little bit um, and kind of go back to back to norms because I think the harms being done by two, two young people, children, but also young people, people in their 20s, um, is really, I, it's, it, I struggle to comprehend how, how, how we can possibly overcome this and undo the damage that has been done to a generation of kids who were essentially raised on porn and also sort of other behavioral things that I have problems with. But um, I don't know how like the, the sexual damage that we've, that we've allowed to be done to our kids in the name of a loosening of norms, in the name of loosening of boundaries, in the name of freedom. That, I don't know, that was a mistake. You know, what's really interesting is that, uh, like, when I say that I, you know, I saw my dad's stuff when I was very young, and that affected me and imprinted on me. Um, my dad had been very abused. Yeah. And so he, so he was go he, he was going, he had, he had been in a Catholic military boarding school that he told me the name of it. And I, tried to google it and google's like you want to know about the class action lawsuit you know terrible horrible abuse from religious figures like just so awful he wouldn't talk about it but it's i i get it and um and so that's what he was working with and then he passed that on to me and it's not my stuff but now it is and um and so it just seems like you know when we get into these taboos they are taboos they are coming from somewhere and like when you see like even if you with deep throat which took over the country like this was abuse we now know we now know that a person was abused their images were disseminated pardon the pun and it it's and and we're all now having to deal with it it's almost like um it, it just feels there's a sense of it that feels to me that if we, we can we have to deal with abuse and yeah. then people will be able to wrap their heads around these taboos instead of just like fixating on it. Like and that kind of brings in the idea of shame also. I think there's a lot of shame involved in early pornography exposure because you're not ready to see the world that way at that point. You're not ready to see that kind of that kind of really explicit hardcore. I mean, you made the point, Amelia, of going from kissing to what, you know, what's next. And so if you if you're moving through relationships and and ideas about sexuality in a in a natural and more natural way, then you're going to be exposed to I, the ideas of sexuality more gradually. But if you get it all in one heaping dose, yeah, then it can really warp your perception of the people around you and your thoughts about sexuality and your thoughts about yourself. And are you dirty because you're thinking these things? And so you can really spiral into yourself. I know someone really well who is a man about the same age as me who had a early exposure around 10, 11 to a bunch of magazines at his friend's house, his dad, his friend's dad had, it was a bunch of European hardcore pornography, a bunch of kind of kink stuff, including some stuff that then later on populated this man's own fetish that became a, such a, a gripping fetish that it destroyed two relationships. 
And he could never be open about it with his partners because he was ashamed to bring it into the relationship. So he was seeking sex workers outside the relationships in order to explore the fetish. And the pornography use just intensified and intensified until he would he would go through cycles of of trying to white knuckle through it and, and not do it. And then it would break through again to where he's using pornography again, and then it would escalate again to strippers and then to sex workers. And so it was this whole cycle for him as he was gripped by this early exposure to some some kind of kink. And and again, the shame was what kept him from ever bringing it into the relationships that he was in. Do you think that if he had brought it into his relationships and assuming he found a partner that he was compatible with, right, that mm -hmm. it was like open to it and they both mm -hmm. enjoyed it? that that would be a healthy, like now he's okay. Like he has an outlet, like he has it's possible, but I think for him also part of it was needing multi needing new partners. So it would have to be in order for him to really be able to bring that fetish into a relationship. It would be, you have to explore this with me and you also have to be okay with me exploring this outside of the relationship. Well, that sounds familiar. Swingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I heard something you said, like, and the, the just say no thing, you know, like that kind of like imperfect, because how else do you, you can't negotiate with it. It reminds me of the just say no stuff, like with drug stuff, because, um, yeah, like just telling, I remember being on the same page as my son's father on this, just telling your kids all dr drugs are bad drugs are bad do not do drugs do not touch drugs then when they encounter a drug let's say the first one they encounter is alcohol or marijuana and they use it let's say they smoke some pot and they're like oh that that felt good like not you know whatever and then let's say they just the next drug they encounter is i don't know fentanyl <laughs> like just by chance and they're like oh well you know, mom said not to do drugs are bad, not to do them, but I did marijuana and nothing happened and it was great. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to try this other drug too. Like, I think that just saying no, a blanket thing is, can be very dangerous in that way. So maybe, you know, with the drug thing, like talking about drugs more, like there are different kinds of drugs. Like some of them are going to kill you or could kill you. Like the first time you do it, others, are different there's there's mind expanding drugs there's mind closing drugs there's there's drugs to numb there's drugs to to enliven there's and like and, and you need to test your drugs like I, I don't know like i'm i, I i'm grappling with this right now but it seems like the same kind of template maybe where you know they're going to encounter all different kinds of porn from what jenny said like very missionary stuff to, to like kinds of like crazy crazy stuff like and they're very young and their friends are going to be passing it around like maybe if they know hey i know you're going to encounter this like this kind could rewire your brain so that you are never able to have a sexual encounter with another human being <clears throat> this other stuff i mean that's like it's very unfortunate that we're in this position that we have to talk about this stuff with our children um, mm -hmm. yeah. in order to help and protect them. Like it, it's terrible. It, it's absolutely terrible, but I'm wondering if there may be more talk and more talk about sexuality in general. Like I'm not really clear that that was ever a thing. Like 
I, I don't like more and, and not necessarily like this is where the penis goes and then this happens and then there's a baby. Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the feelings. I'm talking about the stuff, the brain stuff, because and then the boundary stuff, like it's not just about your body, like, oh, I don't want you touching me here. Mm-hmm. It's about protecting your brain too. like, I don't think I want that stuff in my brain because it will change me and it's not good for me. It's just like with the drugs, like, yeah, it's doing bad stuff to your body, but it's it's also doing things in your brain. And so maybe, maybe a conversation about the new neurological or the synapse impact of what you put in your brain maybe that's the template like everything porn drugs um like what Mm -hmm. kind of like and then the positive stuff too like you want to put good things in your brain Mm -hmm. like like not just like don't put these things in your brain it's going to make make you feel bad but here are some good things you can put in your brain like what are some things you want in your brain who do you want to be you're talking about moral hygiene moral well, I don't know if it's moral. I think it's spiritual, hygiene, mental health. hygiene. Well, yeah, maybe it's just, I have a lot of experience with that also because my parents with their no boundaries, let us watch any movies for, and so I learned from Scarface <coughs> that cocaine is bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned from, I love you, Alice B. Toklas, that weed is fine. I learned from <laughs> hair that um, acid's pretty cool. I learned from, <laughs> Um, I, um, lady sings the blues that heroin is very bad. And like, so, so it wasn't actually conversations, but because I was just exposed to this. And so this kind of brings back the art piece, like how can art be a intermediary almost? And I, and so I don't know if you guys remember, like in the early 2000s, there was a bunch of films that came out that were like, these are films with real sex. And um yeah. so um I was in one of them uh, I was in short bus which was John Cameron short- yeah <laughs> I never saw it but I remember what a huge deal it was when it came out it's pretty good um then there's nine songs which came out at like I the same that. time and then anti antichrist well I think that's one of them Ooh, antichrist uh, the horror film what? not antichrist I'm sorry nymphomaniac oh <laughs> no Lars von Trier they're both Lars von Trier, but yeah, I think that Nymphomaniac has real sex in it. Um, regardless, obviously it's about sex, but um, yeah. And so those films were, you know, John, John was very clear, John Cameron Mitchell, um, you know, this is not pornography. Sex is yeah. a part of life. And I, and so just, you know, we just, I just want to show it. It's not designed to titillate. And my experience in watching it is that it's not titillating. It's, sometimes yeah. funny awkward it just doesn't titillate and so like pornography is very much in what it's doing that's why I compared it with advertising it's like very much like it's trying to elicit a reaction out of you that's why we say like war porn or nature porn I mean it's it's just driving just pressing one a button specific, in you. a specific reaction because the art the films are a filmmaker or an artist is trying to elicit some kind of evoke they're trying to evoke something but they're not saying what it's i mean i i argue that bad art they are they do have a specific goal in mind they want to evoke this particular emotion they want you to think this particular thing but good art evokes and it doesn't it's, it's not utilitarian in the purpose of this is what i want to evoke like a porn channel i want you to watch more porn and see more advertising see more advertising like that's really the bottom line versus an art that's kind of like here's what I'm, 
this is coming from in here how does that resonate with like what's they want there's there's a seeking to resonate but not for a specific end goal or kind of resonation yeah resonation resonance mm -hmm. versus the porn is very very specific mm -hmm. i'm not saying like short bus is the answer it's not like you know sexually it's not it's not the answer to what we're saying but it does have a different presentation of all kinds of weird sex than being out to titillate it's more intellectual it's supposed to go into a different folder um and and the one other thing i just want to say is that like shows like bridgerton like these these like sappy like more female oriented things um i find those to be gross and <laughs> pornographic that's just I me i i'm not familiar with that pornographic what do it's, you mean it's it's so these are like they ha things that have like fake. very fake sex scenes yeah uh, and that's what i like more about short bus is that it's not pressing that button it's it's just it's not trying to be sensual it's not trying to turn you on it's it's, it's so manipulative it's just it's trying just, to be honest it's like look at these characters and what they do in the story yeah in the chat there's a couple of things that I wanted to highlight. Um, Seven Serpents says, I would like to see porn outlawed, outlawed 100%. It will always be destructive to the individual psychology and society as a whole. And then that leads into, for me, a, the question back a, a few a few statements before. David Moore said, under what circumstances may children responsibly be exposed to visuals of nude adults? what of nude marble statues and so that kind of i think that those two comments kind of express that complexity of deciding what is what is porn even if you wanted to outlaw porn where would right. you draw the line where would you where could you decide okay this is this is sexually explicit in a way that is damaging and we agree that we don't want this and where is a visual depiction of sexuality nudity sex what is okay where's the line yeah i actually i think that it, it's interesting to i i tend to agree with the, the comment that porn should be outlawed even though i cannot quite believe those words are coming out of my mouth because it conflicts <laughs> but i believe but um and I, I would have no clue as to how to implement that so i'm glad there's wiser people around that could decide that um but right. I, I don't I know just, about that <laughs> well, yes let the big sky daddy or whatever decide um but i i just think that there I don't even know if it's a strong argument to be made for it because I think there's stronger arguments to be made against it in a rational way. But in my gut, I'm like, that sounds that sounds about right to me. But the thing about, you know, exposing ch exposing children to nudity, like that phrasing of it is a little bit tricky because like for a child, especially a young child to see a naked person, even a naked adult, uh, I don't find that that like that should not be programmed into that child as inherently sexual. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, maybe it's because I grew up, I, I grew up in like spent a lot of time in France and Italy and just like little kids in Italy don't wear bathing suits and, and little girls don't wear top. They wear bottoms, but not tops on the beach until they're ready for puberty. Um, and I think that having a fairly relaxed look, that's just a human body uh, mm -hmm. attitude when little kids are when kids are little is is fine it's healthy and yeah and the and the statues and the arts I mean like 
even even the other day we watched um uh, that new jennifer lawrence movie where she's like a, a hard on down on her luck girl and montauk and she drives a taxi anyway and there's a scene where she's completely naked and i watched it with my son and of course he was mortified and i was like eh, what are you gonna do it's just a human that's what an adult human female looks like and and it's not it was not a sexual situation it was kind of like a slap stick situation um and i i think there's a balance to be struck there um because of the same well while i also told him do not watch porn um to whatever degree of success i might have had with that i'm also like yes that's jennifer jennifer lawrence's naked body and that's not a big deal um i don't think it's i don't i i also think that people have an internal shame compass and they they kind of internally know that you're not supposed to be naked but having someone pass by on a screen that is naked who's just walking on the, on a beach or something is not the end of the world. It's sort of like you're developing a sense of just a, a, what, a hum, what it means to be a human being. And I'm OK with that. I, I also think, I mean, and here we are with the art. You know, you walk into any museum, all the paintings from the... I'm showing my, I've never studied art history. Let's say the 18th century, the, 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 there's so many, the Renaissance, that's what I'm thinking of. There's a lot of Newtons in those, in those paintings. And obviously that's not porn. Yeah, I'm, I, I, yeah, I want my kids to be, you're, that was a good point about the nude body should not, to a child should not automatically elicit. Right. Sexualized. And so right. what do you do about like, I mean, yeah, that's, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about like, if the parent has shame around this, yes. around their own nudity, around the child, that could create some kind of dy dynamic, right? Yeah, it, it, I think it does. I mean, I think, I think there's, a, I think shame is like, it's like a red flag. It's an internal warning system that is hijacked by abuse and becomes very toxic but i think there is a form of shame that is is like it's almost like an allergic reaction you're saying no okay this is this is this is a line i don't want to cross um and i think what we've i think in this overly permissive um liberal society we we've pretended that shame has no serves no function other than the negative function you know the the, the negative version of shame i and I, of course i live in ireland and ireland is like so burdened by shame and it's very much that country which is you know repress sexual repression and church repression and uh women and men who are very private and kind of like tight you know with their bodies and it's also very cold and damp here so no one's running around with their boobs out um well actually they do now because everyone dresses like that now but uh that was the step stereotype of ireland right is this sort of like punitive approach to the body and it does do harm it does. I mean, it, it makes people miserable. I've seen it in older generations. You don't really see it so much anymore. Um, but you would definitely see it in older generations of this, this real extreme reserve that was brittle and obviously um, a, a shame inheritance. I mean, it, we had, it just so happens we've gone too far in the other direction now. <laughs> well, I think that that was what the sexual revolution was railing. I liked right. that was the intent, like about against that. Exactly. And Amelia, as you said about your father being the victim of abuse from the church and then in, in then in embodying the shame and perpetrating and carrying it with him and then it passing on to you, that's like a truly fascinating, that's a fascinating dynamic.
I would love to hear you talk about that more because that to me is like, it's, it really encapsulates almost everything that I spent a lot of time thinking about in terms of how these things are passed on generationally and, and what kink really is. And it's not this benign thing and, or maybe it is. And, you know, it's very, very interesting. I mean, maybe want to get onto the art part of it. Um, but yeah, that's Amelia. Everything you've said so far has been very interesting. <laughs> oh, thanks. You know, one thing I wanted to mention is there is a movie about what we've been talking about. <clears throat> it's called Don John, uh, which is a play on Don Juan. And it's got um, the guy from Third Rock from the Sun, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And I want to say Julianne Moore and Scarlett Johansson. And it's that movie is about this what is the same conversation we've been having of it's about a man who represents all our boys and how does he find intimacy in this mess of boobs and butts and, and never ending <laughs> smut like he doesn't he actually wants intimacy like and so that yeah so I don't know I mean my yeah I I don't really know how you know what I feel like that just the statement that I made about my dad is like it's just a thunk it's like wow I just said that yeah it's just a thunk I don't know that there's it's just and and I think it's related to the deep throat thing also when we know that our whole culture was changed via this movie and we didn't know at the time that we were watching rape Right, that, and we were all, <clears throat> the idea that everyone was getting off on this, and actually they were getting off on rape. And, and was rape. it wasn't her story? Did I mean? Can you fill fill this in for me because I really don't know that much about it. But it seems like at the time she was saying this was great. Yeah, and then when she had time later yeah. to reflect on this and be honest about the scope of her life, she saw it very differently, and she was ready to talk about it differently. But this makes you know, there's it's interesting. Who do you believe in that? Do you believe her then, her now, and and how do women change over time throughout their lifetime? Because we have we tell different stories to ourselves sometimes, and then we tell different stories to the world. And what is that based on? I think she was in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. with the filmmaker. So I mean, I personally completely resonate with you know that she would have projected whatever was expected of her in that role. I, I believe her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe her, and I don't feel like I feel like believing her now doesn't make her a liar. Then we just see that she's being manipulated. Mm-hmm. I, I think what happens with young women mm-hmm. is that they become intoxicated. I mean, they they are also manipulated, and there are all, there are all sorts of other things, but they they all young women at least i feel like i was kind of like this are are kind of intoxicated with their own youth and their own beauty and it's a very it's almost like it's like a it's like it's it's a fun game to play and because it's intoxicating and because it's exhilarating you see how men react to you um you you go there and now, I mean, obviously this woman really went there uh, like to an extreme degree and she was actually very much abused and it was recorded and millions of people saw it. Um, but even in just much more benign interactions, 
um, that's and, and young that's where young people's wildness comes from. And when I was young, I definitely had a streak of wildness in me. And now I'm a crotchety middle middle aged lady, and I'm like, that's terrible. You know that that is the natural course of life. I mean, I think that most people go through that, if not all, and obviously not all, but most. And it's not just the deep throat lady. Donna Summer did the same thing. The woman who did Roe v. who was the the Roe in Roe v. Wade also then became a repentant and recanted and said, well, not recanted, but said she regretted it. She regretted her abortion as she converted to Christianity. Donna Summer converted, if I'm not mistaken, it was Donna Summer. I mean, people who live these, uh, in Apollonia, I think, who was it with, with mm-hmm. Prince? I think she did the same thing. People who live like exceptionally wild and debauched youth where they've really, really transgressed in like at pagan levels. Um, when they become older, they they feel repentance for that. I think there is a, a spiritual price to be paid later in life to a greater or lesser degree. So someone like me who had only a very mild case of wild streak, I, I don't I, I don't feel the need to repent. But I look back on that and I look back on the my own folly and, and the things I did that were unwise. And I feel grateful that I didn't have to pay a high price for them. Um, but I think that that's just a natural progression. I think men I think men do it, too, probably. Um and, you know, for the, so for this one, these women, that's another thing about porn is the, these young women are involved in porn now because they, they don't have the same barriers. They don't have the same um, boundaries that you do, that you develop. You also develop your boundaries through having your boundaries transgressed and you having to fight back against that over time. You, that's a, it's like a muscle you develop over time. And when you're young, you're like, oh, it's okay. I mean, I think that's fine. Like when I was, when I was 19, I was a, a life model from the time I was 19 to when I was 22 or something, which meant I, I worked in an art school and I took my clothes off. I was, I, I stood there naked for art students. And I did this for in my entire four years of college. And I, the college got a call from these producers of porn. It was a magazine and they, they, they would just pass the, these, these sort of freelance jobs onto models. And I, I, I considered it. I took a meeting with this, these guys. It was a man and a woman and they had like fancy clothes, like suits. And we were in a, in a hotel lobby in Dublin. And I, I was kind of like, and you know, I was a poor student and I had a shaved head and um, I looked, you know, I was like, a, I was like a student in the nineties, a Gen X kid. And I, I considered it and they were like, yeah, no, you should do- totally do it. And I remember thinking like, yeah, yeah, why not? Why not? I don't see, like, I'm a liberated woman. I should do this. Even though I also said to them, like, I don't think I'm the type you're looking for. Like physically, I like I had like a shaved head and small boobs. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think this is it. And it, I don't forever really remember. I think they, they ended up not opening up this magazine that they were supposed to open up. But I did consider it. My point is that. And I was like a... You know, I, I was a fairly sensible young lady in every other way. I was doing a good degree, blah, blah, blah. But you don't have the same internal break system when you're 19, 20, 21 that you do when you're older. You develop that over time. I think that's kind of a natural thing that happens. And I'm very glad that I like that it didn't go any further than that, obviously. I think that's such an interesting uh, experience to draw from and and statement about the progression of, of our attitudes towards our own sexuality as we age. And I think that it's really interesting. And what you're saying, Amelia, about the woman who was in deep throat and Jenny, your your point about women's changing perspectives, it it at the question, I guess, could could it be said that do all women who are acting in porn 
are they are is there some degree of coercion or is some of this really healthy for them and at what point do you draw that line where do you find that because if many yeah. it's a really common trajectory for someone to say i love this it's great and defend it staunchly and then later on in life say that was the i was an abused and manipulated poor girl and i didn't deserve to be treated that way and what i said then wasn't that's not true that was based on my manipulation and so at, at what point do you believe people? And is it just that we change that as we age our forms, the, the patterns that we occupy change and, and can we be seen as, as a free agent at every point in the road or not? It's a, it's a hard question. Um, One porn star comes to my mind named Aurora Snow. Mm-hmm. There's different ones. Annie Sprinkle also comes to mind because she's a big uh feminist. She has a, she I saw a... Annie Sprinkle live in Northampton. <laughs> what was she doing? She was put like she was had her legs spread and she had a speculum in and you could line up and go look inside and see her cervix. Wow. Stuff like that. And like she had slideshows like how she put wow. on her crotch and her dog licked it off and she had sex with oh. her. Oh my right. gosh. She, wow. Oh my God. That's so interesting that you say that. Because I edited a book about which she put a chapter in. Um, I've said too much already. But the <laughs> book is about uh, eco, her, her chapter is about ecosexuality, which is her new thing. She's like now her and her partner, I can't remember her partner's name, are out there in Santa Cruz being ecosexuals, which is like making love to the ocean and, you know, I don't know the like when you when you get what magic mushrooms are involved yeah like like just having like embracing like having this idea that like everything is sex and so you know getting off on your interactions with nature like you know i don't know but then i wondered like did they just like forget to mention animals here because it seems like (laughs) that answers the question that i had yeah she's been there done that (laughs) But Aurora Snow is, um, she was an interesting porn star who um, came on the scene in a pretty wild way and was immediately doing more extreme stuff than is usually recommended for a newcomer. And uh, I don't know how many years she spent doing that, but then she transitioned to being a journalist. And so she, I think it's for Huffington Post or something, but she's, you know, she's got this whole public profile now where she's a journalist and she writes has written about porn and safety around porn so she's out there not doing porn anymore but talking about when her boundaries were crossed and like I got into it I her statements are I was not abused I did like this job it was you know but it could be better it could be safer and so I don't think I it's like can she be believed can she not be believed like obviously that question still resonates but I don't think that every woman is going to have the same experience I think that it is a terribly difficult I I think it's a terribly difficult um thing to keep to, to keep safe um to regulate um there's yeah I think it's 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 nearly impossible, but at the same time, I think that banning it would produce 
a more dangerous environment because you know you can't yeah i get that argument. i get that argument yeah i I don't know about this framing though about with the jenny like that i understand the the gist of it like when women are younger that's a big source of their power and and or they learn that they don't like tend to like I mean, I don't want to speak for everybody, but like, you know, when I was younger, like you learn kind of like you think, oh, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to achieve these things. But then you you start. But in reality, in the world, on the street, you're learning that, wow, actually, the biggest power I have is my body and how and and men's response to it. So you're kind of like it's it's a little disorienting and we yeah. go trans stuff, but it's it's disorienting. So I don't know that it's as simple, though, as like transitioning from that and then you get older and you kind of now you're on the other side of that power and you're like oh that was that was wrong I think it's possible in the moment to feel both things like a lot of confusion Mary Gateskill wrote an essay about this and somebody with a little hammer like she she's so good about nuance and complexity and she wrote about Linda Lovelace and she wrote she wrote about how like you know it's quite possible that it felt very very good because yeah. of the power and the attention and also inside it felt bad too and, yeah. and any number of things like and also maybe she was a little roused or maybe she in a masochistic way or maybe she wasn't like it's, it's possible yeah. that all these things are happening at once and it's and then you get older and you just one thing becomes more true at that time than it was at that other time yeah so confusing it's very confusing um, actually Judy. that it and reminds then, me of a story I was told um, by a woman who I, I was my landlady when I lived in Dublin. Um, I, I, I'm almost reluctant to say because I don't want it, I don't want it to sound like I'm in any way. I, I, this was her personal experience, and this is entirely her personal experience as the mother of um, children who were sexually abused by a neighbor. And what, she said this thing that stayed with me forever and ever and ever. And she said possibly the most damaging thing and the, the, you know it was it was about it had been a bad situation um as i mean particularly bad um one of the most damaging things for her children was the fact that in the moment you know it, it while they were children and this was going on there was part of them that enjoyed it yeah because of the attention it brought them and if there was things about it that felt good to them and that was the break. That was the kind of psychic breaking, the psychologically breaking shame, because yeah. they because what you do is you're rendering your victim complicit. Mm-hmm. That so in, in all of these sexual crimes, uh, or sexual not even not even crimes, but these these d- d- really d- dubious sexual situations, the victim, the victim, which is in and of itself is a, a sort of a blunt term, is complicit, mm-hmm. and. So, like, and I think Linda Lovelace and, and the fact that in, in the, what you just said about the Mary Gaskell is exactly, it hits that nail on the head. Um, yeah. And that's why, because of the nuance and because of the complexity, to me, y- y- we can never know the mm-hmm. truth of what someone feels in one moment to another. We don't even know what we feel one moment mm-hmm. to another. So it's very, it's pretty much impossible to project. So paradoxically, that's where I get my blanket ban. I know that sounds like it sounds like the opposite. You should be nuanced. You should. It doesn't really matter. You can you can debate it all you want. You have to you have to kind of buttress against it because all of that nuance is entirely particular to the person, and I cannot foresee 
the ways in which my son will his the nuance he will have when he's interacting with the world in general. Mm-hmm. If I mean, I can't even figure out my own mind half the time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or I can, but I, you know, when you know, it's a process that you learn. So I think that's the key thing with porn and with with sexual. I call it advanced sexual idea sexual uh, identities. Um, mm-hmm. Most people most people do not have even if they grow into middle age, they 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 never get comfortable with what I call euphemistically advanced sexual activities, which are kinks and all that stuff. Um, some people really are, and some people genuinely are. Some people are genuinely in, are in the moment, but not later in life. And it's, it's an infinite variety. You can't possibly account for all of it, um, which is why I think porn is so fiendish, actually, because it really does hijack our innermost... Um, private desires and kind of like magnifies them and like telegraphs them to the world it's also why trans has been so successful and this this thing this push to normalize kink is so successful because we all carry within us something that we're slightly ashamed of that we think is dirty or perverted or weird and if well, you're i think getting... i think you're doing a good job of highlighting the fact that in a chronically abusive relationships there's often a high degree of emotional complexity it's not so simply black and white to everybody who's involved with it at the time that's why a lot of times you'd have to take some space from the relationship to really digest how how wrong you now think your thinking was how you see things differently after you get some space it's it's, abuse dynamics are very are very complicated yeah Um, someone here in the chat let's see uh the finisher says I have never known a single woman in sex work that wasn't from trauma. I think I think the finisher is saying sex work being um, something that you would do if you had some some sort of trauma, maybe sexual or relational trauma in your life. And so that's that raises a question: Is the even the person who feels like the woman who feels like she's doing this out of her own agency and because she enjoys this, is there something in her? Did, is there something wrong the fact that she is able to disconnect sex and take sex into the entirely into a transactional material plane and disconnect it from intimacy does that indicate some what are what are your thoughts on that i don't i i i get i don't agree with that statement be, be, well it's very like experiential like i have never known so i can't disagree with that but I don't think that it, 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 that I don't look at it that way, but I don't think it's, I think it's just not black and white. It's like most people, but if people are working through their trauma using this, I, I mean, are we, are they not allowed to in a safe environment? A, and then B, I, I, I'm thinking what, how is that? like i i'm sorry i'm a real reformed reforming former you know socialist minded minded person but like how is that different from the the way that we exploit the workers bodies in various other ways that can be extremely harmful you know it's the it's really the lack it's like not the if a person actually does want to do it and can find a way to enjoy it like um uh the thing is that I think that if we just as a society were more on top of coercive control then we would just have such a better handle on 
all of these dynamics, workplace dynamics, interpersonal dynamics, the Linda Lovelace story, like if she's in an abusive relationship, like, you know, if, if you, if you leave an abusive partner who essentially brainwashed you to, to like being their slaves, essentially, you know, an abusive relationship is like a mini cult, then you could say retroactively when the person wakes up and realizes that they've been abused that all the sex they had was rape it it, it's right if we don't understand like if we don't if like it seems to me that the prime aspect here is agency and like boys should have agency over their sexuality and they're being manipulated and and we we all need to have agency over our sexuality the the answer is not to um be scared of sexuality it's to find the healthy connective intimate like all the healthy stuff is like you know leads us into the light i mean it's sexuality is not bad it's a spectrum it can is it, be fair is it sacred or is sex work just work is there something sacred about sex that makes it different from other forms of transactional labor well i think that depends on the sex and the and the the couple <laughs> It depends on what you're having sex for, right? Are you well, but I think I think in 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 the most kind of, I th- yeah, I know what you mean. I, but I think in the most um, like unmolested, unprogrammed, um, in the most natural state, sex is a sacred act, and and I think, but the the idea that that you know that you mentioned Amelia of it's just it's exploiting a body just like a worker's body is exploited. That that's that argument is in a material if you, if you are a materialist that is that's kind of a bulletproof an obvious ar- argument but the problem is we're not solely material creatures and as we were talking about in the beginning the kind of the bonding mechanisms and the and that 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 that, that aspect of sex to me is part we, we're creatures with souls and sex does not live in the body it lives in the soul I mean, I'm speaking metaphorically, but you know, that, that is where, because sex is how we propagate the species. We propagate the species and we have sex because it feels good. Yes. But because there is a love element, um, maybe not so much anymore <laughs> now that we're all hoes, but you know, like, you know, <laughs> that, 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 that is the ideal, right? We, we have sex and we love because we love, and then we propagate the species. So it's this fusion of biology and spirituality and I don't mean that like, oh, my God, spiritual sex, like, oh, my God, Tantra, whatever. That's fine. I have no problem with that. But like that's it, it really is much more pedestrian and mundane than that. That's how our bodies are set up. So I, I, I find the material I find the materialist approach. Well, so I would have agreed with it a long time ago or it, it makes sense when it's hermetically sealed. I find it actually leads to like ghastly places like children like young children or or teenagers mutilating their bodies and and actually even worse things if if such a thing is possible i think that's the entire point now just a segue because i know we had want to talk about art a bit i i think about i think about where conservatives get it wrong because even though i'm much more partial to conservatives now than i ever used to be and i think i agree with them on a lot of stuff they they also get it wrong because they fail to account for the kind of flawed nature of people and they focus too much on the sacred and the spiritual and the soul and they forget about how how we are flawed bodies and sacks of meat and it's almost like we there's like the materialists are to me like 
scary and really they, they go to some really dark places but then these sort of like innocent conservatives uh i, I really find them innocent they, they they lack the knowledge of what human behavior truly is like and it's deviant and it's weird and it's messed up and it always has been i mean porn now is bad and it's new ish because of because of the video and the online and all that, that that is new but every other deviant freak like every every deviant freak behavior has been with us forever these are not deviant freaks are not new they've always been around and conservatives idolize the past and say oh well look at this like we used to have such great culture and they, and all the deviant freaks that we didn't we, those are a new thing that's not true at all i don't know i, I kind of just like t took us in a totally random direction well, like, there but you know to go back to the question you originally asked me to talk more about my dad it's like what my i guess my point is that if my what is manifested here is my dad's abuse my dad the shadow of my dad's abuse lingers and that's to me the lesson is that we're we're looking at this problem and i think we're looking at a lot of opportunity to deal with abuse like that, that that's what i just see with 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 it's like uh you know like a a a wound that you're you know in your mouth that you just you just keep going back to like people are, tr are working a wound. Like my wound happens to be inherited from my dad. It was a really bad wound. I mean, I don't know how, if it goes back further than that. And it's not just his, it's like all of this institutional abuse, which again, brings up to me the trans issue, because that to me is institutional abuse. I just think that we need to, to me, it just all looks like an opportunity to deal with abuse. Um, yeah. So I was in short bus, as I said, um, I didn't have sex in the movie. I could have, um, they said on one day of shooting, um, you know, if you come back on such and such a day, you'll get paid, you know, a little bit more money. And we're, we're having, uh, like an orgy scene. You could be, a, go from being an extra to being a sextra and voyeurism is participation. So I wouldn't even necessarily have to do anything, but I was free to, and I thought, and I, I totally would have, except for one thing, which is that somebody very close to me had been human, had been sexually trafficked and I was helping her get on her feet. And I knew that I couldn't explain the difference between, you know, me with my agency, like doing this fun, whatever thing. And the fact that I wanted her to stay safe and um, so just sort of like that abuse thing keeps coming up. Right. And um, I also, yeah. So I, you know, no regrets that I didn't do that. And, I, and, and so it was a, pro a protective instinct towards this younger female and what she'd been through and like how confusing it is that led me to say, well, on her behalf, I'm just not going to show up. So was that because you, you knew she had been exploited and you knew that that was wrong and you didn't know if you had the right to exploit yourself. What was that? What was, how would you, can you say a little bit more about that? I think it would have been more just well, that I was a role model. Um, I was a role model to this person and they had obviously crossed some wild lines, really bad lines. Mm -hmm. And at that time, this was before 
we were even, I think, on top of using the language of sex trafficked girls, you'd call them a teen prostitute as if they could Mm -hmm. consent. And this, this, this was complete, complete slavery. And, And she didn't know it because it's also brainwashing. It's also a cult, the game. It's so... Yeah, I mean, as far as what my reasoning was, I don't know that I that I that I that I know. Um, I think fundamentally, I knew that I couldn't explain it to her, and it I didn't want to try. It was just really good instincts. I didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't. I knew. I I didn't know how I could explain the difference to her, and I didn't want to try, and so I just chose chose because yeah I mean also you know my my experience in life has been so extreme uh you know raised with no sexual boundaries I then you know dabbled in being an orthodox Jew as a response like we're always trying to find some moderate healthy place and so yeah so I I had access to that like switch that I'm I'm not um an out of control deviant like I might think like oh that might be fun but then I have a brain and I'm like okay, no right <laughs> and that's isn't that what we want we want people yes, to exactly right. and I, I think I've said this before that we all have that we all have an internal moral compass and for some some people get it completely destroyed either via social pressure or you know, like abuse in the home or in the school as, as young people, um, but even those people, even people who go through these horrible experiences, still, you're, you ha- we are born with an internal moral compass. We don't need, we don't actually, I don't, I mean, obviously learning it from society is, is very important. Learning from your family is very important. Learning from your culture is very important. But even people who don't have the benefit of that will find their, their line. They're like, no, that's not right. That feels weird. That feels bad. I don't like that. Something in your brain will tell you to stop. And I really think that's an inter- it's a, it's like a biological reality. It's not me making that up. It's but moral, though. A moral. It is moral. moral. But I, think, I, I don't think there's, hmm. I, my personal opinion based on zero science is that there is, they're the same thing. Oh, uh, well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> well, listen, I wanted to say something about Amelia, though, like what you said about the the wound in your mouth and like you keep picking at it or you keep going to it. I do think that ki- your, your kinks or like things that are especially arousing, there's adds a rich source of information <laughs> because yeah. I, I was reading somewhere somebody said this, and I believe this to be true, that there is the things that arouse you the most there's something about them that originates from some kind of wound and like just being like oh that's that's bad i'm not going to go there like i actually just wrote a song about this it's called eros in e minor or something like that um (laughs) so everything that arouses you the most comes from a wound or i don't no i didn't say everything okay okay i think i would say often Mm -hmm. this is my just my speculation I just think that where there's a sexual energy and like being aroused, like there's, there's power in the, there's power in the shadow stuff, like that the stuff that you feel the taboo or the shame around, like, why, like, like, why is it that that, like, I'm secretly being aroused by that, even though intellectually, like, I'm very against that, you know, like, there's something in there or like the, even like you could look at like, 
male and female roles like the the female fantasy of wanting to be raped or and the male fantasy of like dominating or raping like to play that like that's more maybe more of a cultural thing but like there's there's some information in there that goes pretty deep and maybe beyond words but i think it can happen on an individual level as well and i think maybe it it does and i'm not saying like the exact scenario is like oh that happened to me i just more like it's more psychological like for some reason that thing that like especially evokes that sexual energy or that arousal and the kind of shame stuff there's something about the dynamics of it that are involve some kind of wound at least that's the theory that i wrote i read by this writer and it really resonated with me Uh and so i i don't know that like just shutting it off like i think exploring it i mean that's basically you're going into your shadow and you're like trying to get some information you're trying to become conscious Uh so i don't know what the way is for working that out or like that doing sex work is working that out i don't know but i just think that i mean i think personally like stuff that I have like a big block or like oh I don't want to go there don't want to go there I'm like there's probably something there Mm -hmm. and as a society when we're all fixating on these same wounds I feel like it's it's it seems a little simpler like we don't have to actually think about it like is the porn star working it out in a healthy way like we can just get that information like we you know here's the narrative here there's a societal thing that's yeah there's something happening there's like there's like energy and power around this so what does it mean like yeah you i mean so people who like analyze popular culture i mean there's a lot of shit in those zombie movies right like (laughs) covid hit and the lockdowns and mandates and i'm like oh that's (laughs) or not just that like just the the, like the brain the, the massive cultural gaslighting or brainwashing like like some where in us, like we fear other and like the, the prepping and like people are going to getting the guns together. I, I'm not saying that's not true or necessary. People shouldn't do that. But I'm, I'm saying this, like, there's like a cultural fear of other humans, like going to take our stuff. Like there's a tightening up, like people are mm-hmm. understanding, oh shit, there's a, there's like a tightening happening. Mm-hmm. And so that was a very simplistic way of talking about zombie movies but like even American Idol like when that came out and that was like huge like that was the first of many 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 shows like that and somebody asked me why do you think this these like these shows are so popular and I'm like the first thing I can think of is like because there's hardly any pure heroes any like we need we want a fucking hero who fucking did it and it's pure like it's very very hard it's like just music you know and then there's the art thing again like it's pure unlike like like Gandhi today wouldn't even exist because people would immediately find shit out about him and like he'd be totally discredited like he he probably wouldn't have become this cultural hero or icon like so like it just feels like there's a lot of power in what our culture focuses on and like look at trump Mm -hmm. that black and white thinking it's that black and white thinking and that intolerance for nuance the purity requirement that's so fascinating because anybody as soon as you're a human being you're not pure right as soon as you've lived a life but we we need a mat we need those things these are archetypes archetypes exactly so trump is like the 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 jester i would i would argue he's the jester 
and people are both appalled and like drawn to him based on that kind of archetype it's not like this like like uh, yeah mm. I, I think there's a lot of archetypal stuff going on and there's a lot of information there on a cultural level but also bringing it back to sex on a personal like well, I think of- I think one of the things that you said early on, Jody, I it really uh, I I feel like I've said the same thing. Porn is a psyop. <laughs> Porn is the way it's being used right now, whether it's intentional or whether it's emergent. It's it's really it's an attack on intimacy, and an attack on people's ability to bond with others. It's an attack on men through women, and it's an attack on women through men, and it's an attack on the self and. So I think that there's real reason to be concerned about it. We haven't really gone deep into porn versus art because this conversation ended up going in in all kinds of other different directions, which were fascinating. So we might have to retitle this <laughs> this live stream. It's just that like, what is porn versus what is art are like important questions. They are. And like you can, no one can answer the question of what is well, art. What we and- should do. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we talked about what is porn. Maybe we should do another one on what is art. What is art? I read I read something real simple about it, which was that art can be about sex, but porn is sex. Yeah. And so I don't know. There's a lot to go into, I guess. Ooh, I have a good quote for you. Okay. Maybe you guys have heard this. Everything is about sex except sex. Sex is about sex is about power. (laughs) (laughs) Who said that? I don't know, but I, I thought it was a woman, I think. Yeah. I love to talk about Jermaine Greer too. Well, she we should really misunderstood. James Lindsay posted something by her, and I was like, he he totally missed. He totally is it something it. you want to say real quick, or should we devote like real time to it? But she was talking about her being a radical feminist and how she created all this, like, it it had to do with the trans stuff. And I was like, oh no 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 no, honey, you do not know Jermaine Greer, like the woman who said, who was talking about like wanting to have sexual intercourse with a man, like actual intercourse and like because quote who wants to orgasm around a void Mm. (laughs) (laughs) or camille palio we've talked about her too under under my thumb thumb. that song under my thumb like all the feminists are so mad and she's like but it's a fucking masterpiece I know, love her so much. Actually, I I quite like Jermaine Greer as well. I just like really crotchety women. (laughs) (laughs) Because you are you are well on your way, Jenny. (laughs) Absolute ball busters. I just like like oh yeah, I like that. Julie Virgil. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, just to the finisher in the chat, yeah, please email me. You can find me through my website. I think it's the radicalcenterconsulting.com. So go ahead and send me a, an email if you want. And you guys, this has been really great. Emily, or Amelia, sorry. It was really nice to have a chance to speak with you again. It's been a while and, and it was really great to hear your thoughts and your experiences and how they, um, th- th- there's a lot, all of us are coming from different places in this and yet we're all sort of in the same age range and with mothers of sons and just living in this culture where we are right now. So it's really, it's fascinating to hear the slightly different and sometimes wildly different perspectives that we have on this. And I'll let y'all, does anybody have a final thought that you didn't get out during this that you want to cap off with? Not really. But when you just said that, I was like, yeah, we're like the view. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. We're like the, I was just thinking we're the non-woke, which, which allows us to actually analyze 
everything instead of just like (laughs) there's all these like places you're not supposed to go or talk about and do all this fake shit i would say check out amelia's music nahedar.com awesome yeah everybody say your websites again or twitter's Oh, I'm going to say, I'm going to start because I, I should have announced myself as a musician. I'm having, I, the whole Smith thing has been an identity crisis for me. JodyShaw.com. And I'm Jenny E. Holland.substack. Yeah, I'm Nehadar.com and E-H-E-D-A-R.com. And thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. This has been so cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really nice to see y'all and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks to everybody who joined us in the chat. Bye. Bye. Stop live stream. Stop recording. Boom.